All right, we have been working through a series on worship here. This is going to be the last uh, message on worship next week. We're going to get back in to the book of Ephesians, and next week we're going to talk about uh, the problem of fear and anxiety that seems to be plaguing a lot of us, and so we're going to talk through that. Um, we're going to talk today about uh, worship being more than a song, because throughout this series, I focused pretty much entirely, if not mostly, on worship through music and singing. And, uh, and it's, um, we just realize how powerful that is and that God loves, loves, loves to show up in power and victory when he sees people wholeheartedly worshiping him. And let me begin with our theme verse for this series, Psalm 89. Happy are those who hear the joyful call to worship. Again, there is a call upon all of our lives to worship. And there's joy. And there is happiness, there is life change when you engage with God through, through worship. I mean, the Bible says, in His presence is fullness of joy. And worship is one of the ways that we enter into that. Happy are those who hear the joyful call to worship. And as we worship, and it's interesting, we don't come to worship to say, God, primarily I need strength and I need this and I need that. We come to worship to say, I just want to put my face on you. And I just want to worship you for you are worthy. But something strange happens. When you make worship about God, you're changed. You make worship about you, you miss out. But when you make it about God, you become more happy and joyful. It says that they will walk in the light of your presence. You can just sense his presence more in your life. They rejoice all day long in your wonderful reputation. They exult in your righteousness, and you are their glorious strength. And I know all of us just want to be, be more strong in the Lord and worship is the way to be strengthened in, in God. There's nothing we need more than to be close to Jesus. Uh, John 15, Jesus says, Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, there is a sense that God never leaves us nor forsakes us. There is a sense that we're always in Jesus. But I tell you, we can always draw closer. We can always have our hearts more surrendered. There's always more because God is unfathomable. And one of the ways we just experience more of God in our lives is through worship and drawing near to him. Now, we've talked about worship a little bit as uh, the sense that it is to touch every aspect of our life, that it's more than a song, The worship should be part of your work, your play, your entertainment, your fun, coming to church. As Josh Riley said, worship is everything we think, everything we say, and everything we do, revealing that which we treasure and value the most in life, that, that everything should be worship, that everything is to be lived for Jesus, that we treat, we treat customers at work the way we treat our classmates at school, the way we think in our minds, the way we just carry out our, our life, that is all to be worship. It is more than a song. Romans 12 says, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. 1 Corinthians 10 says, so whatever, uh, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. That every step we make, every move we take, every breath should be done for the glory of God. Worship is more than a song. It's more than Sunday morning. 
that everything you do throughout the week is to be incense, is to be worship flowing up to Jesus. Now, with that said, when you look at the idea of worship in the Bible, there is a sense that worship most of the time is actually talking not just about working uh, at your job and working or worshiping at work and worshiping at play. There is something that's very direct when the word is used in the Bible, that worship is something that is focused and intentional. That pretty much every time the word is used, it's not talking about worship at work. It's talking about just direct and intentional worship where our minds and our focus is singularly fixed on Jesus. That we could define biblical worship this way. It's being singularly focused on God. It is direct and intentional outpouring of adoration, worship, and praise. I like what James McDonald said. He said, I often read or hear a servant of Christ insist that worship is more than singing. And I titled my sermon that because there is a point to that. But we frequently told, uh, are frequently told that making a meal for your family or cleaning your car or helping your neighbor are all acts of worship. When these acts are, uh, when these acts are the outgrowth of our love for God and are done to demonstrate that love, I would agree that they are worshipful, but technically they are not worship in the sense of how the word is used in the Bible. Worship is the actual act of ascribing worth directly to God. Worshipful actions may do this indirectly, but when the Bible commands and commends worship as their highest expression, it is not talking about anything other than direct, intentional, vertical outpouring of adoration. And so while every part of life is to be worshiped, there is a, an intentional part of our life that must be intentional, that we must take times out where we put away other things and we just focus on Jesus. And so as I talk about worship being more than music, I'm going to talk about just various ways that we can put our attention on Jesus and directly worship him, though we may go out of the bounds a little bit. And this message is going to be a little different than usual, because it's going to be just a big, big uh, buffet in fact, I think I have more slides than I ever had before. And, uh, and I, we could do a message on each one of these points, but I just want to give you a buffet of ways that you can set your face on Jesus and worship him. Because it's good sometimes to realize that uh, there's more than just one way to worship. Because some of you may get bored in your worship if you only do it one way. It'd be, it'd be like a married couple, because in a way, uh, we are in a relationship with God. Uh, we are called the bride of Christ. We are sons and daughters. That A lot of the ways this is made simple when you just think of you having a relationship with God. But if you picture a married couple whom the only thing they ever did was go to a movie. And they didn't do anything else. And they thought well, that's the only thing that married couples do. They'd probably get bored of that after a while. But actually, there's other things married couples can do. They can go to dinner. They can go on a walk. They can go on a hike. They can be intimate together. Lots of things they can do. And there's lots of different creative ways that we can worship God and connect with Him. Now, granted, there are some that we must do and are and more important than others, but this is kind of a, a smorgasbord, a uh, feast of uh, different ways to worship. Uh, we've talked a lot about this. I won't go over this too much, but music and singing. We did that this morning. It's one of the ways we set our face on Jesus and this is one of the essentials of Christianity, one of the ways all throughout church history, all throughout the Bible, that people set their face on God. And, and we looked about just how much the Bible talks about singing and music, more than prayer. And we know that prayer is essential, but, but singing is. It's, it's part of, it's why we gather together. It's why we sing at home. And you can do that. 
during the week, uh, you can worship through music. Uh, I put this in your sermon notes in the bulletin, but you can just go on YouTube or on iTunes and download your favorite artists and, and as part of your devotional life. Like a lot of times I do that. I will, I will worship to a song or two and then, then open the Bible and pray. Or as I'm just driving down the street, you know, in my car by myself, singing my head off. I mean, or you just have your, your, your little iTunes thingy in your ears, right? And, and you're listening. Uh, but you can do this wherever you are. You can, you can sing and keep your focus on Jesus. Uh, purposeful scripture reading. And I put the word purposeful because there's a way to read the Bible that's not worshipful. I mean, you're trying to get through so, you know, I can get on with my day. Purposeful means you come before him and say, Jesus, would you speak to me? Jesus, I want to connect with you. And you may only get one verse done for the day. You may get three chapters read, but it's purposeful. Matthew 4, Jesus said, It is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And some of you might be very hungry today. And you've had your breakfast, you've had your snack, but you're hungry because you have not been feasting purposely on the word of God. It's something that you need to to be into and be reading and connecting because it just helps you honor and worship God. And there's a promise when you read the, uh, the word. Isaiah 55 says, So is my word that goes out from my mouth or is found in this book. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for what I sent. That when you come to the word purposely, it changes you. This is why it's not some sort of static thing that I can just read it and not be changed. It's called a living word of God. It changes you. If you just open your heart before you open this book, God will speak to you. And it can lead you to powerful, powerful times of worship when you just read about the mighty acts of God or who he is. And sometimes things just stick out that have never stuck, stuck out before. And it just causes you to worship. And, uh, and there's lots of ways you can read your Bible. I mean, you can you do old school. You can take one of these things. Uh, I rarely actually read the Bible actually with a, with a paper Bible anymore. Uh, I most I have mine on Kindle, and I can highlight and make notes, and that way I can just have it on my phone, so wherever I am, I got the Word of God. And it's my little phone. If I'm waiting for somebody, or at the doctor's office, or, you know, waiting in traffic, you can get a verse read. I mean, whatever you're doing, well, that's a big ticket, so <clears throat> don't do that. <laughs> You can do version. I know a lot of you use this. It's a great uh, Bible app. Uh, you can just download it. It's free. You can get lots of different translations. And it's got little notes and different images you can use. And it's a great little app. But just get into the Word. Uh, whenever you can, just, just read it. Even if you just got 30 seconds to read something and just ponder it. I mean, you can just stop throughout the day and worship Him uh, just on your phone by having your Bible with you. Or at home in the morning. Prayer, uh, this is another one of these, these are the big ones at first. These are things that, that we must be doing. Uh, prayer is more than just asking for things. Prayer is also worship. We see through the Bible that prayers are often worshipful, uh, praising and adoring God. Acts 4, it says, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. Or we see Hezekiah. Lord, the God of Israel, enthroned between the cherubim. You alone are God over the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and the earth and just worshiping God through talking to him and speaking to him. And, and you can do this during worship as well. This is why sometimes uh, the band just plays and we're not singing up here. 
This is to give you an opportunity to worship God through adoration and praise just on your own where you close your eyes. You say, God, I thank you for this week. And God, you're amazing. And it just, it's a time where you can pray. And you can do that wherever you are. In your car. You can even do that, you know, if you're talking to someone who's really boring. You can just be praying. And <laughs> Don't do that either. There's lots of negative examples. <laughs> but you can be praying. Uh, listening to God. This is the opposite. Again, we're in a relationship with God. Meaning uh, we need to have conversations. Conversations are not just one way, but we need to listen. And if we do see God as the king of this universe, then it's very unworshipful if we just do all the talking. Because maybe God has something to say to you. And if you just ignore him and say, well, God can't speak and I'm not going to listen, that is very unworshipful. To worship fully, you not only need to speak to God, but you need to listen. And all throughout the scriptures, we see people hearing God and listening to God. I mean, Jesus made a promise that, that his sheep, that's us, they listen to my voice and we can hear his voice. Uh, John 16 says, when he, the spirit of truth, that's the Holy Spirit comes, he will guide us into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell us what is yet to come. Uh, he does that through his word and he does that through speaking. And sometimes we need to hear the word of God because the Bible doesn't tell us everything. The Bible doesn't tell us if we should take a job at Walmart or at the Shell gas station. It's like, I can't find that verse, right? And this is where you, you, there are lots of times where we just need to hear God. We need his wisdom because we're trying to make a decision. We take principles from the Bible, but it doesn't tell us the exact decision we need to make. This is always above everything. But then we listen. And when God speaks, we step out in faith and we, we obey. And this is part of our times of worship where we need to be listening to God. And I put this in your notes, but these can be really helpful exercises to maybe get started in this, helpful exercises that maybe should be part of just every day because they're good questions, and God loves to answer these questions. That maybe after you've worshiped and prayed and read your Bible, you can ask God, uh, Lord, are there any areas of disobedience in my life? And listen. Maybe a still, small voice. You may place something on your heart. Often the first thing that you hear or sense is God. Uh, Lord, are there any areas in my life that are not fully surrendered to you? These, these are hard questions. Sometimes they're scary to ask because you already know what the answer is going to be sometimes. But if anything is hindering you and your relationship with God, you've got to get that out of the way. I mean, we need to be surrendered. Uh, I mean, there's nothing better for us and for the kingdom than for us to be fully surrendered and, and just, God, if there's stuff in, my, in the way, just, just let's let me lay it down. And sometimes there are things that we don't even know. And so we've got to ask, Lord, what is on your heart for me today? Because sometimes we have our own agenda. And we have a boss. He's in heaven. Imagine if you showed up at work, you said, I'm just going to do my own thing the whole day. You've got to check in with the boss. So what do you want me to do today, boss? Lord, what do you have on your heart for me today? It's a good question to ask. Lord, what do you think of me? Uh, Lord, what is on your heart for our community? What is on your heart for our church? Is there any specific person you want me to bless or encourage today? We should always be doing that. Maybe there's someone that you don't know of and God lays a name on your heart and, and you go and do it. That's, that's God at work. Uh, what is it you want to me, be, uh, to, to want me to be praying for today? And to listen. It is part of worship. We don't just speak to God. We don't just read his word. We don't just sing songs. We also listen to God. And probably in the fall, we'll do a series on hearing God's voice again. Uh, meditation is another way we can worship God. 
And uh, often when we think of that word, we kind of go, like, new age meditation or whatever. But the Bible talks about it over 20 times. It's a biblical word. Uh, new age meditation often is about emptying the mind, focusing on nothing. Biblical meditation is always focusing on something and pondering and chewing on something. And all of us know how to do this. All of us meditate because all of you know how to worry. It's just the opposite. Right? When you worry, you're thinking about stuff all day, and you're like, oh, and you're twisting it this way and that way, and you flip it upside down, and you turn it around, and, and you just know how to worry. It's the same, but, but not negative stuff. It's stuff of God. It's, it's this. Uh, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And it can be one of the best ways to actually conquer your anxiety and your fear or your just feeling down is you take something like the joy of the Lord is my strength and you meditate on that all day. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. And you worry about that rather than, you know, my life sucks and everything's going bad. You, you meditate on something and there's various ways uh, shown in the Bible. Uh, for instance, Psalm 48, within your temple, O God, we meditate on your fa- unfailing love. Just Write down stuff how God's love is and just think and ponder and meditate and just think on how amazing God's love is. You can meditate on God's deeds, answered prayer, and his blessings. Great thing to do when you're feeling unthankful. When you feel that God is distant, not doing anything in your life, this is a great way to turn that around. I will meditate on all your works and consider what your hands have done. You can meditate on God's word. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. My eyes stayed open throughout the watches of the night that I may meditate on your promises. And this is a good way to carry your personal worship time in throughout the day with God. And, and I got this idea from George Mueller, and I use it all the time. What he would do is when he read his Bible in the morning, he would pick something that stood out. And he would try to memorize it or memorize the idea or phrase. And then he would carry that thought and meditate on it all day. And it's what I often do. I mean, this week, uh, I meditated just a lot on this phrase uh, that they were given rest through the Holy Spirit. Uh, They were given rest through the Holy Spirit. And I just pondered and I thought and just meditated on that. But pick something from your devotion and think about it throughout the day. So that is capturing your mind, not the latest stress of the day. So you can worship God through meditation. Uh, You can worship God through service. And of course, this goes a little into Worship is everything, but I didn't know where to stop because if you think about that, you could just, I could have a million points. But we know that worship is about Jesus. It's about fixing our eyes on him. It's about him. And sometimes when we serve other people, especially when it's like, I don't really want to do this. It's not really my gifting. And you just do it anyways. It can be a a powerful act of worship. Uh, Jesus said, when you did it to the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you did it for me. So there are times when we actually are just selfishly serving somebody and there's nothing in it for me and so it's just all about you, that that can be very worshipful. Uh, There's worship through giving. Uh, One of my favorite definitions of worship is from an 1828 dictionary. Worship is to honor with extravagant love and extreme submission. Extravagant love and uh, supreme submission. And again, that's to be all of our life including the giving of our energy, our time, and the giving of our money. Uh, The way we give should be part of our worship. Proverbs 3 says to honor, or you could say worship the Lord 
with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops, then your barns will be filled to overflowing. Again, this is that weird worship promise that when you put God first, you are blessed. If you make it about you, you're not blessed. How happy are those who hear the joyful call to worship? How blessed are those who decide, I'm going to give. Matthew said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And our treasure is to be Jesus, and that is to be seen in everything. And I know lots of us here have committed to make sure that we don't just worship God through music, and we don't just worship God through the song, but we worship God through our finances. And many of us here give uh, 10% of our income uh, over to the work of the kingdom. And I know for Marie and I, it doesn't matter if we spent too much a month before, if we've got to take it out of our line of credit, we are not going to dishonor God. We're going to make sure that he is primary, even if we've got to take out a loan or whatever, because he's worthy. And he's more worthy to be worshipped than a new gadget or toy or even TELUS bill. And so uh, giving is part of our, our worship. Fasting is another big way of worship. Uh, we see this all through the Bible, Matthew 4. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus fasted. Jesus said, when you fast. He didn't say if you fast. He said, when you fast. We see the early church fasting. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, that's when the Holy Spirit spoke. And one of the purposes of fasting is often to hear God more clearly or to to break through some sort of spiritual barrier that you're facing. That's what it's often used for in the scripture when sometimes this normal prayer and normal worship just doesn't seem to be getting through because maybe there's something going on in the spiritual world. Fasting seems to bring extra power in to the situation. As Tony Evans said, fasting is the deliberate abstinence from some form of physical gratification to achieve a greater spiritual goal. Uh, often food is the way that biblical people do it, but sometimes people choose to do anything else that, that they're looking to for satisfaction. Um, I think I got one more quote from John Piper. Fasting is a way of saying with our stomach and our whole body how much we need and want and trust Jesus. It is a way of saying that we are not going to be enslaved by food as the source of our satisfaction. It's a declaration that, Lord, you are the one who satisfies me. Boy, I love my cheesecake, and I love my pizza, and I love my food. But God, for this day, or these three days, or this week, some of you have even fasted longer, God, you are going to be the source. And I'm going to remind my body that you are the source. And some people uh, often do food and just juice, or uh, sometimes people totally abstain from everything but water for a few days. Uh, Some people choose to fast from things like uh, their cell phone, or from TV, or from alcohol, or anything else to keep going to for satisfaction. They just want to say, God, it seems I've been putting this first, and this always seems to trump everything else in my financial world. It seems to trump everything else in my time in the day. So I'm going to remind myself that you are the source of my satisfaction, and you fast. It is very worshipful. And there's some powerful stories here. You can just talk to Cora. I know Cora has some amazing stories about fasting and how God answers that. Uh, journaling, another way. And this is often done in combination with a lot of the other things we talked about. That especially if you're someone who gets distracted a lot as you read your Bible and pray, journaling can be super helpful uh, to write out your prayers. And I, my mind is like... I get a more ADD. I find this writing out even my prayers in point form are really helpful. And then if God, I hear something from God, I write it down, I can think about it or write down a verse. I mean, journaling is extremely helpful and it's a really healthy practice to get into. 
uh, especially because you write down your answered prayers, you write down how God is moving and changing you, you write down your frustrations, then you go back a year later and go, wow, look at how I've grown. Oh, wow, I'm still struggling with that. This is something I really need to pray, maybe fast over. Uh, when you're discouraged, you go back, and, well, God answered that prayer, and he answered this prayer, and he answered this prayer, and it just pumps you up. Journaling is a beautiful way for you to worship God. Uh, resting in God's presence and receiving his love is another way. Psalm 23 says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. And you can do that literally. You can go in your yard and just lie down and allow God to refresh your soul. You can sit in a comfy chair. You can go out in the, in the wilderness or wherever you are and, and allow God's presence to touch you and just receive his love. Because it's part of worship. Part of worship is actually receiving the love of God because you're in a relationship. I mean, imagine a marriage where only one person gave all the love and the other person never just, just gave love and never received it. You know, if the husband just made this beautiful love song for his wife and gave all this love and gifts and flowers, and the wife is just like, hmm, just didn't receive the love. That is very rude. And a lot of Christians sometimes are like this because we're like, we got to give it all to God. It's all about God. And we just never stop to receive it. Part of worship is we give love to God and part of worship sometimes is to receive love. I remember what happened to Peter when Jesus went to wash his feet. Peter was unwilling to receive his love. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I washed you, you have no part with me. And there's sometimes, even in worship here, where you can just stop singing and just receive the love of God. You give it to him, and sometimes you just receive. And sometimes you can just put on worship music at home and just lie down or sit in a chair and just receive the love of God. And sometimes he will lay a scripture verse on you, or you just begin to praise him. But just being still, we're in a relationship. To give and to receive love can be a beautiful way to worship God. Acknowledging God's presence. I do this a lot. Psalm 46 says, be still and know that I am God. And you can do this all throughout the day. And I'll often just do, like in between, I'll take 10 seconds, just stop and say, God, I thank you that you are with me. God, you are the Lord. Just help me to surrender in this moment. And then you just go on through your day. Just little pauses, just to remind yourself of the reality that God is there, that God is real, that, that you need to be surrendered, that God, help me to hear your voice in this situation. You just stop and be still for a moment and know that he's God and you can go on with your day. Do that at work, you can do that at school, you can do that wherever you are. But again, we're to carry worship into wherever we are. Obedience is another way we worship God. Because we know worship is about loving God. And sometimes we just love Him through singing and prayer and whatever. But worship uh, is also obedience. Jesus said, if you love me, or you can say, if you worship me, uh, you keep my commands. Uh, Psalm 119 says, I've chosen the way of faithfulness. It is a powerful act of worship. When you are faced with this choice, do I follow my flesh or do I follow spirit? Do I lie on this to make a buck or do I be faithful and just say it as it is? Do I look at those things on the screen or I put them away and just worship you? I mean, we're faced with these kind of choices all the time, but when you say, God, I am going to put you first. When you say this, I have chosen the way of faithfulness. That is a powerful act of worship because you're powerfully saying, God, you are primary. That's not who I am to live like that anymore. Who I am is a son and daughter, and I live like that. It's a powerful act of worship. And in that moment, you make the choice to put God first. It's another way we worship. And we could talk about a lot more. 
But all those things we talked about can be shaped differently with us. And we need to recognize that all of us, God has shaped us differently. And therefore, some of us read our Bibles differently or pray differently. And, 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 and sometimes it's called spiritual pathways, and I just want to end with this. It may be helpful, maybe not helpful. There's been books written on this. But anyways, if you, again, picture a marriage together, uh, there are lots of things married couples can do. Again, they can go to a movie, they can have sex, they can, you know, go to, what else is that? That's about it. No, just kidding. <laughs> They can go to dinner, they can pray together. There's lots of things they can do, right? <laughs> Show you where mind up mind is, yeah. <laughs> lots of things they can do. And there are certain things that every married couple needs to do. Every married couple needs to talk. Every married couple needs to be intimate. Every couple needs to go have a dinner, have a meal together. There are certain things every couple has, and there are certain things that all of us need to do in our relationship with God. We need to be reading His Word, we need to be praying. We need to be gathering together in fellowship. We need to be serving. We need to be worshiping. There's these things that we must do. But then there's kind of ways we do it differently. I mean, some married couples love to go on hikes together. Other married couples don't. It just, just goes bad on them, right? There's some married couples that just like to sit together and read, and that drives other couples different. I mean, because everybody's shaped differently. And sometimes the way you carry out your worship may look different than someone else. And we also need to appreciate that all of us may worship and prefer slightly different ways of worship. This is often called spiritual pathways, and I think there's nine of them. Uh, there's the naturalist who, who worships deepest when they are outdoors. Now, when they just go out, outside, and like the verse, the heavens declare the glory of God, man, when they're outdoors with their Bible, and they're outdoors with their iPod singing to Jesus, they're just on cloud nine, they're just like, this is amazing, God, I love you, they're so pumped, and they, they just worship far more deeper and easily than if they're like stuck in their little room trying to worship. Because there's something that God has wired in that they just love the outdoors. And if that's you, make that a part of your devotional life. Uh, go to the park when you do your devotions. Get outside. Uh, just, uh, it can be helpful for some. There's the, the sensei who worships deepest when their physical senses or imagination is engaged. These are people who like to feel, touch, touch things and taste and love communion. For these people, communion is the most powerful way they can worship because they actually get to see it and hold it and taste it and touch it. Uh, these people love engaging physically in worship. They love seeing people engaged in worship because it's physical and they, they actually see stuff. And if that's you, make sure you involve your body as the Bible says you're supposed to involve your body in worship. Uh, there's the traditionalist who worships deepest when they are able to stick to close ritual, symbols, and familiarity. Uh, these are people who love to maybe say the Lord's Prayer every time they worship. And it's not dead ritual to them. They just, they just have this thing about ritual. They're the people who need to do their devotion every day at seven. And if it gets out of sync, they just, their whole life is messed up. I mean, they're very traditional. They love to have an order of service, which we don't, but they like to know what's happening. They're, just, they're more wired that way, and, and some people are like that. Uh, there is the ascetic who worships deepest in solitude and simplicity. These people just... I just want to get alone with God. I just, you know, I love it when I gather together in church, and that's a huge thing, it's important, but I worship deepest when I'm just alone with my Bible. I'm just alone receiving God's love. I'm just alone journaling. This is when I just feel the deepest sense of worship. For other people, they're just, I have a really hard time worshiping on my own. I need to be in a group. I need to be with other people. I need to pray. I need to sing with other people. I mean, we're all wired a little differently. There is the activist who worships deepest when they are battling evil and injustice. 
They love to be out there. Uh, helping the poor and making a difference in this world. And when they change a life, they're like, man, God, you're the best. I feel so pumped up. And similarly, there's the caregiver who worships deepest when caring for those who hurt. For some people, this drains them. For some people, it pumps them up for God. But again, I should note with these last two, even if that is the way you like to do things, it doesn't mean you shouldn't, you still got to pray, you still got to worship, you still got to read your Bible. There's things that are just essential, whether you really connect with them or not, those are absolutely essential to our faith. But these can be very helpful if this is you. There's the enthusiast who worships deepest when experiencing celebration. These are the party Christians who are really, really going to like our very last song today. It's going to be the best song of the day, all right? Uh, they just love being around gatherings that are joyful. They love to talk about victory and power and just God moving. They love testimonies. They just get pumped up. For some people who are maybe I like to be alone and more quiet, it just makes them really uncomfortable. And they're like, you know that last song we're going to do today? I don't know if I really like that song because, you know, it's a bit too crazy. And as a church, this is where we love our brothers and sisters and realize that some people prefer this and some people prefer that. And if you don't prefer it, you say, well, bless, because I know there's other people who do. God has not wired everyone like you. God works in a lot of different ways in a lot of different Christians. Some people like celebration kind of worship, and then some people, they like very slow and very quiet worship. And the song, when it's slow, when they can just contemplate. Uh, contemplatives worship deepest through adoration, heart, heartfelt worship. If you're a contemplative where we did that long break without singing up here, just music playing and prayer going on, you love that. You love that. Because you just got to sit there and pray and contemplate in the goodness of God and just engage with him on your own. And you're just like, that is the best kind of worship when the band isn't singing. And others of you, right, these people maybe love to journal. They love to write poems to God. They're more contemplative. And you got to realize there's people like that. And, and, and some, something may not connect with you, but it will connect with someone else here. And so we kind of have a little bit of a diversity going on. The opposite of contemplative sometimes in terms of is the intellectual. If you're an intellectual and we just had that time when the band wasn't singing, it drove you nuts. Like, there's no words for me to sing. My mind isn't engaged. There's nothing to do. What's going on? You just work on your mind. Again, there's people like that. They just have a hard time when they're, they're because they're just, they're more of an intellectual. Again, we have all those kinds of people here, uh, and it's just the way God has wired us all. But they worship deepest when their mind is fully engaged. They worship the best reading a New Testament theology seminary textbook. Right, Marina? Or Hebrew? Yeah. Or Basil. People just like, I mean, when they get into theology, it's like, oh, God is so amazing. And maybe you, when you try to read the first paragraph, you're like, oh, just kill me now. I mean, uh, <laughs> different. And so it's good to know what your, your spiritual pathway is because mostly when you're down and discouraged, when you're feeling drained, that's where you want to engage in your spiritual pathway to, to just... To, to, to have that, 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 that built up and strengthen yourself in God. If you're feeling strong, I would highly encourage you to learn to engage in spiritual pathways that aren't your strengths. It makes you more mature. That if you're one who just like, I just have a hard time reading theology, then you should read a theology book. It might help you, it might change you, it might grow you. If you're one who just likes contemplative worship by yourself, uh, maybe when there's a celebration song, to say, you know, I'm actually just going to engage with this song. It stretches you. It makes you a more mature, more well-rounded person when you're able to pass between these spiritual pathways. And you're very mature when you allow another Christian to engage with their spiritual pathway, even if it doesn't connect with you. It's very immature to say, well, it's not connected with me. There's something wrong with this, right? No. 
God has wired us all, we're all his kids, and we're, and we're all differently. So there's lots of ways to worship, and everybody's going to look a little bit different. But the important thing is that we're connected with God. My last verse here. God says, my blessing is on those people who trust in me, or people who worship me, serve me, who put their confidence in me. They will be like a tree planted near a stream whose roots spread out towards the water. It has nothing to fear when the heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no need to be concerned in a year of drought. It does not stop bearing fruit. And a picture of a tree in a drought, in trouble, yet it's green and bearing fruit. And this is what happens when you choose to be a worshiper. When you choose to worship through song and when you choose to worship through more than a song. You just carry this heart of worship in whatever way works best for you, engaging in all these different things throughout the week. It is amazing the strength that you can live in. I mean, fruitfulness really comes from intimacy with Jesus. Strength in life really comes from intimacy with Jesus. It is the most important thing that you and I can be doing is to be living out a life of worship. And we're going to close off, invite the worship team up, as we've been doing throughout the series with a few songs, three songs we got. And we're also going to have the table open. And those of you who love to taste, feel, and touch, you have an opportunity to worship through communion And we invite everybody to this table as we sing today. It was on the night that Jesus was betrayed that he took bread. And after giving thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, broken for you, given for you. Take this in remembrance of me. And so we come and we take this bread. And and as we chew it, we remember. We talked about using the imagination a couple weeks ago. You may want to just picture Jesus on the cross, breaking his body, dying for you as you eat this in remembrance of him. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and said, this is the sign of the new covenant, sealed by my blood. Drink this in remembrance of me. And we take this and we drink it and remember the covenant of of closeness with God. We remember the covenant of love and forgiveness and grace. We remember our relationship with him. And we celebrate and we remember and we praise and worship. And that's what we're going to do. Let's stand. Father, we thank you for who you are, God, and all that you have done. And God, we just want to honor you as we close off this service. For you are worthy in every way. God, we want to worship you and say, God, that we love you and say that we are thankful. God, we want to lay our lives down once again and surrender. So God, as we finish off in worship, we ask that you would speak to us. God, you ask for us to wholeheartedly engage with you. And God, I know as we fix our eyes on you, that you love, love, love to pour out power and victory on those who are wholeheartedly worshiping you. In Jesus' name, amen.